We, if you have your copy of God's Word, if you can go ahead and flip to the book of Jonah, and we will be continuing our series, uh, part two of Jonah. As you recall, last week, uh, we began in, in, in chapter one, obviously, and, and um, we saw that Jonah had, was given a mission. He was given an assignment, and it was to go and, and preach to the city of Nineveh, that he was to call out against its evil, and that um, in hopes that they would repent. But Jonah, in his disobedience, decided to run from God, and through um, several series of events that happened, um, Jonah ended up, he was thrown into the sea, and he was then swallowed by a fish, and now he is in the belly of the fish, and we were going to pick up our story this morning, resume it in chapter two, as Jonah is in the belly of the fish. And if you missed last week, uh, we, we have now started recording the sermons, and so you can go and, 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 and uh, view that online at our, on our website or on Apple Podcasts. You can go and see that. And if you miss a week or uh, if you have a family member that is, uh, can't make it to church, you can point them to that um, audio sermon on the website or on the podcast. So that's exciting news. I'm going to pick up and read here in chapter two, and then we will pray. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple." The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you and to your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord, and the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now in this time of of the service where we open up your word and we read it, Father, together as a church. And Lord, we pray that you would be here in this moment, God, that you would open our eyes to the truth of your word, to the truth of your, of your scriptures, and that it would change us in such an amazing way, Father, Lord, that if it, it would change our perceptions, it would change our perspectives, it would transform our souls this morning. Father, I pray that whatever we need as we came into the door this morning of this church gathering. I pray that whatever is going on in our life, whatever we need, whatever we are searching for in you, Father, I pray that you would answer. I pray that you would touch us. I pray that you would reveal yourself to us, Lord, in a mighty way this morning. And I pray that every word that comes from my mouth would not be of my own thoughts or myself, but it would only be from your word. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Um, have you ever not wanted to go somewhere and uh, you were forced to go anyways? 
I see Bill shaking his head. Uh, it's probably lunch every, every Sunday, right? This is, we're coming up on a decision here in, just a, in about uh, 30 minutes on where to go to lunch. And uh, men, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you guys. We don't get the decision for lunch. You know, I know for uh, me and my wife, she would say, well, where do you want to go eat? And I'll say, well, how about here? No, I don't, I don't want that. I want this. And that's where we go, right? Um, and so, no, I'm kidding. She lets me decide sometimes. Um, but have you ever wanted to go somewhere and you ended up uh, not wanting to go somewhere and you ended up having to go there anyways? Well, this is, as we open up into our story this morning in chapter two of Jonah, it appears that this is happening here, right? It appears that in a continuation of our story, this is occurring to our character Jonah. Um, he was sentenced with the mission of going to Nineveh and he decided he was not going to go to Nineveh, but yet he gets thrown into the water and he's swallowed by this fish. It's, it's this amazing miracle in scripture. He's swallowed by a fish. We, we can't fathom it. We don't understand how this happened. Scientists have tried to prove how this is not possible for all of, all of history, um, yet it is, in, it is in God's word. So it, it is, it happened, it is fact. We don't know how it's possible, but yet it seems that Jonah is going to Nineveh anyways. <laughs> it seems that he made a decision to not go, but yet he's going anyways. And so this is where we open up in, in chapter two in Jonah's prayer inside the belly of the fish. He is crying out to God inside this creature. Now, but what's interesting about chapter two, and before we get into it, I wanna lay some groundwork. Um, it's kind of a two-lane road. Chapter two is kind of a two-lane road. And what I mean by that is, on one lane, it is teaching us truths about God. It is teaching us honest truths about who God is about how we as worshipers of this God or how to respond to him or, or how to react to him and how he reacts to us and his promises he's made to us. It is the truths about God. But on the other side of the road, on, in the other lane, uh, chapter two and, and, God's, and God's perfect wisdom and sovereignty, chapter two is also a parody in scripture. And within the context of the whole story of Jonah, chapter two also shows us how we are not to respond to God, how we are not to react to him. And so I'll show you what I mean as we get into it. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool um, in the wisdom of God as he inspired the writers here to write Jonah chapter two. So uh, let's hop right in. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Jonah chapter two. We're starting in verse one. It says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. At the very beginning of Jonah's prayer, from, from the very start of his prayer, it says he called out to the Lord. He called out to the Lord, and in what? In his distress, and you see, what, is, what, is, what this tells us about our God this morning is that we have a God that hears us. It says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. You see, Jonah cries out to God in this moment of distress, this moment of affliction. And what does God do? It says, he answered him. This is to show us that we have a God that is active, that is working, that is moving, that is alive and living. We don't serve an idol that is idle. 
We serve a God that is moving and working. And not only does he hear our prayers, not only does he hear us crying out, he answers them. He responds to us. It's pretty amazing. He, Jonah goes on and he says, out of my distress, and, and he answered me, out of the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice. You see, it was in the belly of the fish that Jonah decides to cry out to God and pray to him. It's in this belly of Sheol, Jonah calls it, Sheol. The word Sheol is an interesting word in all of scripture, and it basically means a place reserved for the dead. A place reserved for, for, for those who are dead and, and gone and never coming back. It actually is, is a place that there is a, there's no return. There's no coming back from it. And the Bible also uses it to describe a place void of God completely. Where there is no God. And so Jonah says, I cried out to you in the belly of Sheol and you heard my voice. You see, it doesn't matter where we are in life. It doesn't matter how, how far we feel like we are from God for us to cry out to him in prayer and for him to hear us and to respond to us. Psalm chapter 22 verse 24 says, for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. I'm gonna read that again. Psalm 22, 24 says, for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. You see, God has not hidden his face from us in any circumstance and through any sin, through any tragedy or affliction in our life. He has not hidden our face from him. And in fact, he has heard us when we cry out. And again, there is no wrong place to begin praying to God. There is no place void of him. For communion with God is always necessary and, and the Bible instructs us to pray without ceasing. Now I wanna switch lanes here into the parody of this section, into the parody of this section. And um, it begins with the words called out. When Jonah says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Um, commentators have noted that Jonah, if you think back to chapter one, Jonah was tasked with the, with the task of calling out to the Ninevites to make them repent of their sin. Yet what was Jonah's response to that? No way. No, 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 no. I'm not calling out to anybody. I'm going, where, I'm going to Timbuktu Tarshish is what he said, right? I'm getting out of here. So he didn't want to call out then. It, when Jonah was on the boat with the sailors and the sailors were, were dying because of the storm, they said, Jonah, call out to your God that he may save us and calm this storm. And what did Jonah do? Well, we have no evidence that Jonah decided he was going to call out to God in that moment. But now the parody of the section is, is that when Jonah is afflicted, 
When Jonah is in the trouble, when he's the one in Sheol, oh, now he's calling out to God. Now he's, now he's taking time to pray and call out to God. And you see what scripture is teaching us here. When do you pray to our God? When do you call out to God? Is it only during your afflictions? Is it only during times of trouble and and times of hardship? Is, Is the only time that we spend time with community with God and prayer with him when we need something from him? Or do we spend time with him out of our affections? Do we spend time in God's word because we love him and we know his word is good? Do we spend time in prayer with him because we love him and we know he will answer us and hear us? And you see, scripture is teaching us a valuable lesson that we are not just to call out when we're in times of trouble, but in all times. God's word continues and he says, in verse three, for you, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. You see, Jonah notes here, reflects on on the moment when he was cast into the water, into the sea. And it's important to note that Jonah says, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. And the flood surrounded me, all your waves and your billows passed over me. You see, it's important to note that Jonah is tying together the affliction with what God had done. It was God that afflicted Jonah. It was God that pushed him, that that it caused him to be thrown into the water. It was God's waves that passed over him. It was God's billows that came over him. Which is part of the lesson we talked about last week and you can go back and listen to, but it is the fact that sometimes God brings affliction upon his children to teach them valuable lessons. Sometimes God allows these afflictions onto our life that always come and in all the years of our life, afflictions will come and he allows these things. He even afflicts these things upon us to teach us things about himself. But I wanna focus on verse four this morning. And he says, then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. Another Translation of verse four is, this, is the word banished. It may be in some of your Bibles. He says, I, I was banished from the sight of God or forsaken from him, left from God. And Jonah feels that he, has, he is not in the presence of God anymore. But then he says in the end of verse four, he holds on to a promise from God. And look at what he says. He says, though I I feel driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. You see, this is not just good language that that, that the Bible has or, or a great addition to the poem. This is a promise from God. And this is a a promise in scripture. And it's also a testament to show that Jonah was full of 
God's word. It was full of scripture. Well, why do we know this? Because in 1 Kings chapter 8, King Solomon, after the construction of the temple where God's presence would dwell, this is where God is going to be. This is where you have to go to find God. King Solomon builds this temple and then he begins to dedicate it to the Lord, gives it to the Lord. And he says in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 12, King Solomon prays, whatever prayer, whatever plea is made by any man or by all your people Israel, each knowing the affliction of his own heart and stretching out his hands toward this house, meaning the temple, then hear in heaven your dwelling place and forgive and act and render to each whose heart you know. You see, Jonah knew this promise. He knew that reaching for the household of God, reaching for the temple was where he would find forgiveness from God for his disobedience. But you see, church, what, what's interesting about us is we are post-cross, right? We are post-resurrection. And, and, and what Jesus did on the cross and what he did in the resurrection, the tearing of the veil, the, the tearing of the gap between us and God, making it possible for us to commune with God without a temple. You see, we don't need the temple today. Jesus is the temple. Jesus is the dwelling place. We can go to him. And it is to say that if we turn to Jesus, turning to Jesus is where you find forgiveness of your sin. Turning to Jesus is where your heart is renewed and transformed. Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, knock and the door will be opened. That we can approach him freely. We can go into his presence without this temple that we have to enter in. But Jesus made a way. Now, I want to switch lanes into the parody of this section. Jonah says, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. Or the other translation is, I am banished from God. I was banished from him. And Jonah's claiming this banishment. But I don't know if you remember, but in verse chapter three, what did Jonah do? In the context of the scripture, Jonah fled from God. It was Jonah fleeing from God in verse three. He wanted to get, in fact, we, we talked about last week, Tarshish being this far, the farthest possible place on the map. Jonah wanted to get as far away from God as he could. Yet now Jonah is saying he is banished from God, but, but he's the one fleeing. You see, church, what the parody of this section is teaching us is, do you feel like you are far from God? Do you feel like, because of the situations in your life, the sin in your life, the, the, the things that you have been a part of before, or maybe it's not even that, that deep or serious for you. Maybe, maybe you just have not had good quiet times or good prayer times with the Lord and you feel as if he is not with you. You feel as if he is not present with you anymore. And the question stands, is it because God is not with you 
Is it because he is not there in your presence or is it because you are running from him? Do you feel far from God? Not because God has left you, but because you have left him. And just as I said in Luke 11, Jesus says, knock and the door will be opened. The decision is not very hard. The Bible says, repent of your sin and believe and follow Jesus and you will receive forgiveness for your sin. The story continues in verse five. He says, the waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God. Jonah is reflecting here on his experience getting being cast into the water and as he was sinking deeper and deeper and deeper to the depth of the sea Jonah uses some amazing amazing imagery here and he says the waters closed in over me to take my life the deep of the ocean surrounded me Weeds were wrapped around my head. You think, you think about weeds being wrapped around your head where you can't breathe. You, you can't gasp for air. You're, you're drowning. You're dying. He says, at the roots of the mountains is where he went. Where, where, where the mountains begin, at the bottom of the ocean floor. Think how deep that is. To the very depth of the sea, he is going farther and farther and farther away from God. And then he says, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. It was like a prison. It was like a a place of no return. It was like he was locked in to this place, helpless, hopeless. And this is what Jonah is doing in this moment. He is reflecting on the hopelessness of his situation. That he has no strength whatsoever to get out of it on his own that he has no ability on his own to break through, to, to, to save himself from the depths of this sea and the bars that are closed in on this prison that he is in or to get out of this belly of the fish. And church, doesn't, it, doesn't that describe the nature of our sin? The nature of the, of the human heart, the, the nature of, of our brokenness. That we, are, that we are all born with. It is like we are falling deeper and deeper and deeper into an abyss, covered with seaweed, constantly grasping for life and never finding it anywhere, but only in Jesus. It is like we are falling to the roots of the mountains and the bars are closing in upon us, this prison that we are in. But what does Jonah say? How does he resolve this issue? He says, yet you brought up my life from the pit, from the farthest point, talking to the Lord. You brought it up. You brought up my life from the pit. Oh Lord, my God, it is only the Lord that can save. It is only the Lord that can pull us from the pits of life, the pits of our sin, 
the, the depths of our wickedness. Only he can change it and pull us from it. Jonah says in verse seven, when my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. He repeats himself again into your holy temple, this way to God. He goes into verse eight and he says, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will repay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah makes a statement here to say, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake the hope of their steadfast love. That pursuing after gods, pursuing after things in our life, pursuing after situations that we think are going to give us life, that are going to give us hope is actually a forsaking of the hope of steadfast love. And Jonah says, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will pay sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. This is a pretty amazing part of the chapter, church, because Jonah, in the middle of his affliction, in the middle of uh, he's still in the fish, church. He has, not been, he has not been spit out yet. He is still in the fish. Yet Jonah says, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. Jonah is finding a time to give thanks to God in the middle of his affliction. Do you see that? Do you, do you see how, how, how amazing this is? And the question is, as, as we are standing here today, as many of you I know are Christ followers, the question stands, can you, can you sing of God's goodness? Can you thank God for who he is when you are in the middle of affliction yourself? Do you have the strength, do, do you have the affection for God to where when you are in the affliction, when you are going through trial, can you sing of his goodness without having yet been delivered? He hasn't been delivered, but yet he's singing to God. Isn't it the mark of being a Christian? Isn't it a mark of being a disciple? Isn't it, isn't it true for us today that we will face afflictions in this life? We will face struggles. And if no one's ever told you that before, and I say it all the time, but if no one's ever told you that before, I wanna be the one to tell you, you will experience affliction in this life. There are gospels that preach that if you follow Jesus, everything will be okay. There will never be trouble. There will never be issues. That he will give you wealth and health and happiness. There are gospels being preached right now that if you follow Jesus, you will not get the coronavirus. And church, it's not true. We will face afflictions, but can we sing of God's goodness? Can we sing of his salvation during this time? Even in a time like this, in, in our nation, in our world, where 
where there's a virus going around? Can we sing of God's goodness? And the punchline of the prayer comes right here as we begin to close. He says in verse 10, and the Lord spoke, excuse me, verse nine, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to the Lord. What I have vowed, I will pay. And he says it here, salvation belongs to the Lord. It is, the, it is one of the central themes of the whole book of Jonah, that salvation belongs to the Lord. That we are, we're just like Jonah, and we still are falling deeper and deeper and deeper into our sin, to the pit of this, of this, you know, being imprisoned by our sin and wickedness, but only the Lord can save us. Only Jesus can save us. And it is through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. It came through the shedding of his blood that we were supposed to be on that cross, that we are supposed to take the wrath of God, but he took it for us. And through the resurrection of Jesus, it was wiped clean. That those who repent and follow him, God doesn't look at you as a dirty, rotten sinner. He looks at you as a son, as a daughter, bought into his family. And in verse 10, and the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited John out upon the dry land. Jonah's salvation came. Now, as we close this morning, I want to ask you a few questions, some food for thought as you go home. The take-home sermon. Church, as we've read through Jonah's prayer, it's important to evaluate yourself, and I want to ask, do you only pray in times of afflictions? Or do you pray out of affection for God? I know that President Trump um, declared that today, the 15th, is a national day of prayer. And uh, I'm thankful that we have a president that would do that. But I also want to challenge you. Does it take a president declaring that for you to pray? Does it take for our president to say that today's a national day of prayer for you to spend the day in prayer? Or as Christ followers, is every day a national day of prayer? Remember, our God hears us in our afflictions and he will respond. You are not too far. You are not too far or too deep in sin to turn to Jesus for salvation this morning. After hearing this, you, you can be saved. You can be changed. That you are not too far. Don't run. Stop running from God. Stop, stop running from him and thinking that you've been banished, but just turn to him. Man, he will save you. And church, as we close, salvation belongs to the Lord. Never forget it. Jesus has done it. Jesus has won the final battle. It is over, it is finished. And we get to hold on to those promises that never change. 
Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for your word this morning and the power of it, Father. We thank you that, God, we thank you that you are a good God, that you are an amazing God, Father, and that you are so amazing and so extraordinary that even through our afflictions, even through our hardships and hard times, we can see you, we can be with you, and God, you, you teach us things about you. That through our afflictions, Father, you give us opportunities to share our faith with others. We get to share our hope in our life with others because they see us and they say, you are, you're going through this affliction. How, how do you have such peace in it? And we can say, Jesus. Father, we thank you that you're a God that when we pray, you, you listen, you hear, and you respond. You're not an idol. You're not a statue. You're not a, a thing way out in the universe, but God, you are present and you are here. So, Father, I pray for this church this morning that you would, I pray you would protect them, that you would keep them safe, Lord, from sickness and disease. But, Father, I pray more importantly that you would strengthen them to use their afflictions and their trials, Lord, to bring the name of Jesus to their neighbors, to their families, to their children, their grandchildren, their friends. Embolden us, strengthen us, empower us. God, if anyone this morning is hurting, if anyone this morning needs salvation, I pray you would convict them. Change their hearts this morning. Help them to see life with Jesus is far better than life of the world and they can have it today. We love you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, amen.